آوند و شمیان قداش شماخت ثم الكوثاخ نهوه صغيانات اي كند وشميه اعفره اولان لحما سلقان ديومانا وشغلان حوبين واحطاهين اي كند اعفحنان اشبقن حياوين لا تعلم سيونا الا فصان فيشا مطل ديلا في ملكوثا حيلا وحشنا وغفار وشلقانا بشمية ورا مطابع برينا وحفظ بشرحنا آمين Evening, everyone. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Philip. And as Matt said, uh, this is part two of our series on prayer. So if you're just joining us, we are looking through the Lord's Prayer. Five sessions, five weeks, five parts of the Lord's Prayer, teaching us how to pray. I am really excited about this uh, topic, and it's um, amazing. We, we said last week that we haven't done such a long, involved series on prayer before, but it, it's high time that we did, because nothing changes the world like prayer. I want to get into uh, the, the topic for tonight, but before I do, I just want to tell you a little story, because I think sometimes you need a story. You need to get a little bit of inspiration and vision for what prayer can, can do. do. Now, some of you will know that Kate and I went away for our 28th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Still milking it. We went away just at the beginning of the year. And uh, we went to Poland, which for many people, for most people, maybe for all of you here, for those of you watching online, you just think, oh, that's fine. You, you go to Poland, perfectly normal, nothing unusual with that. But for old people, like me and Kate, going to a place like Poland is like really weird. Because when we were your age... When we were kind of in our 20s, in the 80s, uh, maybe teens, um, the, the kind of Poland was, was like this no-go area. The whole of the Eastern Europe bloc was under communists. They were, uh, it was like going to North Korea. You just didn't do it. So in um, Romania, for example, it was under the dictatorship of Nikolai Ceausescu who was worse than Putin, worse than Kim Jong-un, the kind of original Kim Jong, uh, just a really, really bad guy. And that whole nation of Romania had been held under communist rule, oppression, for over four decades. And it was the end of the 80s, a local reformed church preacher called Laszlo Tokes took over this small little church. There's 40 people in it. Uh, the previous guy that he was taking over from had been very much a kind of Communist Party stooge, even wore a, a red star on his robes. But Laszlo, he comes in and he, from the beginning, he's speaking against the oppression, the corruption, the injustice of the communist system. And uh, he started to attract people. The church grew to 5,000, but it also started to attract intimidation, threats, um, from the secret police. And uh, he just carried on regardless because nothing was going to stop him. And then finally, the police came and they came to arrest him, to evict him. Word quickly went out around the area where he lived that the police had come to Laszlo Toke's house. And within minutes, 
dozens and then scores and then hundreds of Christians from all over gathered to uh, surround the house and to protect these people. And it wasn't just the Reformed. It was the Baptists. It was the Catholics. It was uh, all kind of denominations of the church that were over there. And they, they stopped the police from taking them. And more people began to gather. And they stayed there literally for days, day and night. They were there with candles, singing hymns, praying. Eventually, the uh, police broke through. They took Laszlo Tokes and they took him into town. And they put him in the police um, holding cell just off the town square. But as they went, instead of the crowd dispersing, they began to follow the police and the army who had arrested this preacher. And as they began to follow, the commotion went around the whole area and so more and more people, hundreds and then thousands, began to gather. And they all congregated in the town square until literally you had um, 200,000 people in this town square. Pretty much everybody in the entire region. And it was nuts. It was just kicking off. And the army came in and there's this kind of standoff. And then in this awful incident, the army opens fire on this crowd. A hundred people are killed. Many more are injured. But the crowd don't back down. They don't go away. And it's now looking like there's going to be an absolute full-scale riot. And at this point, something amazing happens. Another preacher, not Laszlo Tokes, he's in jail. But just another ordinary church pastor, he, he stands up and he says, I've got to do something. I've got to contain this situation. Otherwise, many more people are going to get seriously hurt. But he does something. He starts off and he says to people three words. Three words that in public are illegal. Three words that are a sign of civil disobedience. Three words that he is putting his neck on the line to say. But three of the most powerful words that anybody can say. Three of the most incredible things that anybody can ever come up with. He stands up and he says these three words. Let us pray. Spontaneously. Even though it is illegal to pray in public. Yeah, you can do whatever you want in your weird little churches which are infiltrated by secret police. But you can't do this. You just cannot do this. But in this one spontaneous act of civil disobedience, the entire crowd, tens and hundreds of thousands of people, they all fall down to their knees. And spontaneously they say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. They go through the whole Lord's prayer. And it is unbelievable. Before long, within a day, the news of this has spread to Bucharest, which is the capital city. And within a very short while, the whole communist regime that's been in power for 42 years, Nikolai Ceausescu, one of the worst dictators in human history, it's demolished. It's brought down to the ground. It is miraculous. And when we talk about prayer, we're talking about something that has unbelievable power to literally change the world. There's nothing more powerful than prayer. In the Bible, there are more if-then statements about prayer than anything else. If you pray, then I will answer. If you humble yourself, then I will hear. If you call out to me, then I will move. If we pray, stuff happens. It's unbelievably powerful. And the biggest problem that we have is not unanswered prayer. 
Because yes, there are prayers that we don't see answered and can be confusing and challenging and, and, and distressing to deal with. But our main problem is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. So this whole thing, this whole series is about getting us inspired but also equipped in how to pray. Because prayer makes a difference. It can change your world. It can change the world at large. So we're going through the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer is what Jesus gave his disciples. He literally said, this is how you should pray. And if you were here last week, or if you've seen it online, then you'll know that actually the Lord's Prayer isn't just something that you recite, although it's great that you do that, and it's amazing what happened in Romania, but it's actually a kind of a template. It's actually a list of five separate practices or disciplines of prayer. And actually, you can grow in these things. You can develop these things. And so just the overview of what those five things look like. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. So our Father in heaven, that is adoration. It's really important that we start prayer by acknowledging who God is and reminding ourselves and taking time and just finding that connection with the God who is in heaven. Heaven, which is God's space. And I want to get into that place. Someone once said that everybody prays, but the difference when Christians pray is that we climb into our Father's lap. There's an intimacy there. It's not just going into a big shopping list of requests, but it's about developing uh, a, a love and, and an intimacy with God in heaven. So that's adoration. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That is intercession, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Give us this day, well, that is petition. That is asking God for the things that we need. Rob Scott Cook is here next week. He'll be taking us through that. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. That's confession. And then finally, lead us not into temptation. That's surrender. And so you've got this kind of structured, ordered way of doing prayer. Again, if you missed the, um, the kind of the heads up last week, that trailer that we have put together by our creative media team, uh, it's actually the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And if you listen closely, you'll see that it rhymes. It's supposed to be so easy that a kid can do it, but so profound, you can spend your whole life developing and exploring this habit of prayer. But the weird thing about it is that it does seem like it's a kind of, you know, structure. And sometimes people think, yeah, shouldn't prayer just be, you know, God, I, you're cool and I love you. And, and shouldn't it just be normal and natural? You know, when I speak to my friends, I don't go through a kind of checklist of ways in which we should talk to one another. Um, actually, Jesus says there's something about this that will help you develop. It, it will make sure that you uh, are able to grow. And actually having a discipline around prayer is really important. Uh, one of my uh, old friends back from in the day, another old person, uh, Pete Craig, who started 24-7, he's got this fantastic saying that he says. He talks about discipline and desire. He says this. He says, discipline without desire suffocates, but desire without discipline dissipates. So if you have a kind of, I'm going to do this, and you're kind of gritting your teeth, and you're just making yourself do something, and you're ticking it off, and you're trying to be, you know, it's like eating your greens and doing your exercises, that will suffocate. But if you have a desire to know God and to love him, but you don't have discipline, it eventually just it, it dissipates. You, you can't sustain it. You actually need discipline 
and desire. And that's what we're trying to do. So as uh, Lex said, we've got an app. We'll talk a bit about that later on as we go. But just ways in which you can actually be a little bit disciplined and structured. And you can have little things that can help you sustain it. And through that kind of skeleton, we can put flesh and blood on it and make a real living body that, that gives you life and, and that deepens and, and grows as you go along. But this is uh, what we're talking about this evening. It's intercession. So it's God's kingdom. We started with God's goodness. Now it's God's kingdom. So this is what the, um, the verse says. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now just look at that one second. And does anybody know what's wrong with that phrase? <laughs> it's a bit of a trick question, Matthew Miles. Uh, it was in the original prayer, but you're, you're not wrong because Luke has a kind of a shorter version of it. Uh, but actually, what I'm saying is, is, is probably something it's not wrong. It's just my own particular take. So it's not a fair question. It's, it's, a, it's a, a horrible preach question. But here's the answer. Uh, what's wrong with this? And I hope this helps you. It's the wrong way round. It is the wrong way round. If you put it this way, this is how it actually is supposed to be. This is how Jesus says it. It's come kingdom of God. Come your kingdom. Be done your will. Everyone say that with me. Come your kingdom. Be done your will. See what you've got is you've got in, in the Lord's Prayer, you've got three words in the imperative command tense, the imperative uh, aorist tense. It's, it's a command tense. It, it means a strong, forceful command that something be done. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a command word. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's um, something that I'm declaring. I want your name to be hallowed. And just as it says, hallowed be your name, it should then say, come your kingdom, be done your will. Because something about that, it communicates the force and the kind of the power and the passion that Jesus wants us to pray with. It's this one, two, three punch. Hallowed be your name, Come, your kingdom, be done, your will. And there's a couple of problems with this. First off, I don't know about you, but it sounds almost like a little bit, you know, facetious to be commanding. You, you know, you're supposed to be praying to God. How many of you, when you pray, you kind of, you, you almost tiptoe around, you don't want to offend God, you want to be respectful, you want to be uh, appropriate, you know, and so sometimes we can pray and we can say, oh God, you know, if it's, if it's your will, may this happen. Oh, please, Lord God, would you do this? Kate uh, preached a couple of uh, weeks, months ago, and she talked about when she first became a Christian, and she did that thing that we sometimes do. She tried to make a bargain or a deal with God. You know, please God, if, if I give you my life, would you save my mother's life? And sometimes we think that that's what prayer is. We, we kind of got to just gently ask God and, and not get out of our place. The idea of commanding, when we're praying, you're praying to God and commanding, be done, will of God, come, kingdom of God. It kind of seems like, you know, it's a little bit aggressive, it's a little bit much, it's a little bit disrespectful. 
But the second problem with it is, is, is worse. The second problem is this. Why on earth am I praying for God's will to be done? I, I, I'm praying to God. Why am I praying for his will to be done? Surely God's will, by definition, is what happens anyway? You know, if my daughter came up to me and said, hey, Dad, do what you want to do, I'd say, sure, right, fine, thanks for that. I'm going to do what I want to do. It would be ridiculous. It would not make any sense. And to go to God and say, your will be done, it's like, it's, it's surely, it's redundant. You don't need it. God's will is done. He works in mysterious ways. And that's why understanding this prayer is so, so important. Because actually, what Jesus is saying is this. Now, this is going to be a shock to some of you. For others of you, this is kind of just normal. But this is the thing that Jesus is saying. God's will isn't always done. You wouldn't be asked to pray for God's will to be done if God's will was done anyway. What Jesus is saying is that God has chosen to interact with his creation in such a way that other people's will have a say-so. That God has given you say-so. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has given you say-so. God has given you the ability to influence what happens in this world. Let me take this little illustration. It's a bit smaller than I'd hoped for, but I don't know if you can see it. This is actually a token for Tesco's. How many of you put your hands up? If you've ever been to a supermarket at the checkout and they give you a little token and you can put it in a little thing to vote for a charity that's going to be funded. Put your hands up. Who's done that? Okay. This happens to be a Tesco's one. I could have brought a Waitrose one, but I didn't want to brag. Um, But this is a Tesco's thing. And essentially, yeah, little. Sorry, other supermarkets are available. But this is a token. And what it is, it's saying this. This great big conglomerate supermarket would like to do something in the community. And they've got vast resources. And they've got tremendous amount of money and and cash resource. And they're going to give it to someone. But they give you a say-so. They give you a vote. They give you the ability to change how that money is allocated. Usually what they do, if you haven't, you know, for those of you that are students and you just like, I just go to the checkout, self-service in the metro, whatever. Uh, what they do is they have three different charities and you put your vote in for the one that you want to support. And the one that gets the most tokens gets the most money and so on and so forth. Everyone gets something, but it's done in order of how many people vote for that. And here's the thing. You can vote more than once. You can go every day. You can go multiple times. In fact, you could split your shop into 10 and keep getting tokens, just popping them in. Because every time you get a token, you have the ability to shape what happens with this money. It's like the company has said, yeah, we could do what we want with this, but we're giving you a say-so. The tragedy, ladies and gentlemen, the tragedy of this token is that I took it from Kate Gennardi's purse. In other words, this could have made the difference in a charity receiving more funding. Did she use it? No. She just put it in her purse. The worst thing is, there was like three or four of them there. She's just collecting them, like some kind of charity of her own. Doesn't work like that, hun. But that's what prayer is like. 
It's like every time you pray, you're casting a vote. Every time you pray, you're putting your say-so into what you want to see happen. We've got, um, some of you will know, we've got a a Ukrainian living with us, and uh, we love her dearly. But she's got a son in his mid-twenties, and uh, he's now now on the the battle lines. And uh, we pray for him. But we're praying that he will be safe. We're praying that he'll be protected. We're praying that no harm will come to him. We're praying because we know that that is what God's will is for his life. His will is for him to prosper, to flourish, to live, to have a a proper, full life. And that's God's will. And when we pray for him, we're adding our voice. We're adding our vote. We're putting our token in. We're we're exercising our say-so. But we're not the only ones with will. Putin has his will. The strong men of Russia have their will. Other political entities behind the scenes, they have their will. Nation states supplying weapons and bombs, they have their will. Not only that, but the Bible speaks about forces of wickedness and darkness in spiritual places that want to see the world destroyed. The Bible says, Jesus says, that Satan, he he comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. His will is antithetical to God's will. And so you have this clash of wills. The Bible sometimes calls it spiritual warfare. Or it's just the reality of the world that we live in. We want a world of justice, but there are people who put their vote in for oppression and injustice. We want a world of peace and equality. We want a world where there is no homelessness, but there are others that are exercising a will of self Centeredness, self-preservation, what's good for them, the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer, a world that is riven with inequity and injustice, wills that are being enacted. Now, I can stay in a position where I say, well, that's just the way that the world is. But Jesus says, when you pray, you have a say-so, you have a token, you can use it as many times as you like. Don't have prayer be a token that you just leave in your purse and don't invest and don't put in to where it's gonna make a difference. Unoffered prayer is the greatest tragedy. And that's why we pray, because God says, listen, I've got these resources and I want to do this work, but I'm inviting you to have say-so. You exercise your say-so. And when we pray, things happen. It's like throwing rocks into a reservoir. You throw your rock in and it just disappears beneath the surface and you think, well, what happened with that prayer? But if you keep throwing and throwing and throwing rocks and if you gather all your friends, if you gather together and you're all throwing and you keep at it and you persevere, at one point you're going to see that one rock, that stone break the surface and you continue until you make a bridge, a way through where there was no way before. You do the impossible. That's what prayer does. And when Jesus teaches his disciples, he teaches them how to pray, not how prayer works. It's like, listen, this stuff is above your pay grade. There's a bunch of stuff that happens in heavenly realms and you don't see this and you don't get to see what's behind the curtain. But I am using it and I'm giving you this thing. It's an amazing gift. You pray the will of God into being. You pray God's kingdom, which is perfectly realized in heaven, you pray it into earth and into our reality. What do I need for that? Well, first of all, I need to understand what God's 
will is. That's why reading scripture is so important. Every day when I pray, the first thing I do is I read scripture. I let it inform me and I get a sense of what God's will is, what God's kingdom is like. If you want to know the shorthand way of doing this, just look at what Jesus does. When Jesus is ministering, everybody is healed. When Jesus is there, everyone is treated with value and dignity. There is no battle of the sexes. There's a raising up of those who are marginalized and dehumanized. When Jesus is there, all is good. There is peace. There is harmony. And as I engage with scripture, I begin to see it's God's will. It's God's will for good things to happen. In Timothy, it says that God's will is for everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So when I pray for my neighbor, or when I pray for my friend, when I pray for my brother-in-law, I know with cast iron certainty that God's will is that he would be saved, that he would know who God is, that he would know the love of God. So I pray that with confidence, passion, authority. I say, be done, will of God. The will of God for my family. I pray for those that are sick. Why? Because Jesus always prayed for the sick. And there's no one that ever came to Jesus sick that didn't get healed. One guy, he was blind, took two prayers. Big deal. He got there in the end. But everyone that Jesus, and Jesus never said, you know what, it's not my will to heal you. I'm just capricious like that. What can I tell you? No. I pray because God, his will is for healing. And you say, but what about this? What about that? And that's actually offensive because not everyone gets healed. I say, I understand that. I know that. And I don't want to minimize the pain. And I feel that pain myself. But Jesus says, we pray, we pray, we pray. We throw the rocks. And sometimes there are losses and sometimes there are disappointments. Sometimes there's tremendous pain and tremendous heartache. But it doesn't stop me from praying. Because I'm praying for God's will and I know that God's will is always good. And I know that in heaven it talks about no more tears, no more crying, no more suffering, no more oppression, no more injustice, no more death. And so this is what I pray. That what is true if heaven becomes true on earth. And I am willing to, to bear the cost of an unanswered prayer. But this is something that happens. The more that I pray the more that I begin to feel God's will. It gets into my bloodstream. When you pray the will of God, when you pray beyond your sort of natural orbit of God, I've got a bad day, please help me with A, B, and C. When we go beyond that, start to pray for the world, it has an effect on us. We start to feel it. I remember praying for my neighbors and just again praying, Lord God, it's your will for them all to know you. I pray for this one particular couple. And we don't know them really, really very well. In fact, we just see them. Weird thing. Okay, weird thing. We would see them in this, in this venue because our kids were at the same school. And this is where they do the concerts. And so uh, there Ralph would be playing his, what is it, cello? Clarinet? Cello? Uh, Zoe's playing the trombone. And uh, we'd come and watch and then we'd have, you know, cheese and wine afterwards. But I'm, I'm praying for these guys and I want to invite them to Alpha. Because I've seen so many people come to faith through Alpha and it really, really, I know that it makes a difference. And so I'll do anything that I can. But I've been praying. And the more that I pray, the more that I kind of feel this kind of 
heart and a longing for them to know Jesus. I begin to love my neighbor like I've never loved them before. Long story short, looked for opportunities to invite them to come to Alpha and just never ever saw them. Our paths just didn't naturally cross. But I remember this one particular day I was coming back. It was, it was actually the student freshers. Uh, it used to be burger week. It's now pizza week. But I was coming back from that. And, and as a result, I had a, an alpha flyer in my pocket that I'd just been using to give out to people. But I was praying. And I knew that alpha was starting literally in three days' time. And I was really disappointed because I wanted to invite this uh, couple to alpha. And now it's too late. Like our alpha is starting on Thursday. And actually, to be honest with you, we don't have enough people to run it. And so it's kind of, it's, it's on the bubble. And so I'm, I'm walking back and I'm really disappointed. I'm like, God, I prayed for this person. I've been praying for them. I've been willing to speak to them, but I don't have their phone number. We don't see each other socially. I can't just wait for the next shallow thing. Uh, you've not done your part of the bargain. But, and I'm really disappointed, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to pray. And I'm going to pray. You jolly well get me an opportunity to see, oh my goodness, there she is walking towards me. My neighbor, Jane. And uh, I say, hey, hi, Jane. Hi, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing good. Um, and I said, huh, funny story. Have you ever heard of an alpha course? She said, I have actually. I've been wanting to do one. Um, I said, I have an invitation right here. She said, I would love to come. Um, when is it? Wednesday. Oh, I'm not free on, oh no, I'm now free on Wednesdays. My thing has just finished last week. She came. One year later, one of the greatest joys of my life, I baptized her. Uh, they are now our, you know, some of our closest, dearest friends. The power of prayer. God can do amazing things as we pray. So what we're going to do, uh, and like I said, we've got this mentoring app. Uh, what we're going to do is we're just trying to give resources, and we, we've put them online that you can use, uh, to go through each week a little bit of prayer as you go along. So last week, you start off with adoration, God's goodness, and now you start to add in prayer. So the mentoring app, if you go to metromentoring.org, you sign in, you can register if you're not already registered. It takes you to a dashboard, and on the dashboard, you click on show prayer course. Pick week two or week one, wherever you start. And then you'll see uh, it's laid out. You can show the teaching. If you click on show teaching, then there I am, wearing the same shirt, not like I did it this morning or anything. <laughs> and... Um, then when you've done through the teaching, you can then fill in, uh, a, click on a day, write in a little prayer journal. And it's just something that may help you. Uh, and on that, we'll go through some stuff on how to pray. Just before we wrap things up, a real quick spoiler on how to pray. But I would basically recommend that you think through, rather than trying to do the whole world in one, think through a number of different worlds that you're a part of. So I put it as um, seven different things that you can pray about, and you can do one of these each day. So you pray about your relationships, you pray about your workplace or where you study, you pray for your family, you pray for your community, you pray for the church, you pray for your city, you pray for the world at large. And actually just praying through these things, again, on the, on the course, on the app, I'm going to give you four keys that you can use just to really be effective 
in that. Uh, if you don't have the patience to go and look on an app, then in our hubs this week, uh, we'll be going through some of the same stuff as well. But the important thing is this. God has given you a say-so. God has given you something that you can cast your vote to make the world a better place. And can you imagine a world in which there is no more homelessness, the kingdom of heaven on earth? Can you imagine uh, if we prayed for the church and we saw God doing something brand new with the church? We saw God bringing a renewal to his church. Can you imagine if we saw churches that were rampant, we had to keep planting more and more and more, that we had to scale up more and more um, capacity to disciple people? Can you imagine a place where we see a wave of healing going through? These kinds of things have happened in the past. We've read about them, we've celebrated them, we sing about them. Can you imagine a world in which God does something so powerful? Again, can you imagine a world where God just strikes a death blow against depression and anxiety and, and this kind of tsunami of mental health issues that is a blight on our culture? Can you imagine if that started to reverse and, and the, the water started to recede? Can you imagine what it would look like if Bristol became a beacon of hope and life and light for the whole nation and for the world, where there was a profound sense of justice and equality? Can you imagine if we prayed and we began to see uh, reversals in what's happening with the kind of climate crisis that we're in? A world where war began to get phased out, where people were able to come together and, and love one another, where, where there was a cohesion in our society and, and, and an equality in the strata of, of how we relate to one another. This is why we pray. It's God's will. It's God's heart. It's the kingdom of heaven. So I want us to pray right now. And we're going to do two things. First of all, I want us just to be quiet and silent. And I want us to imagine what God's will being done in your situation looks like. I want you to imagine heaven on earth. If you're not sure about faith, if you're not a Christian, or if you're on the outside looking in, then you can just dream a little bit about what it might look like if God is real and if he, he took charge and, and control of your life and, and liberated you to be the person you were meant to be. So I want to invite us just to take a moment of quiet. So right now, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're not into this, then you, you can just, you can tune out. But otherwise, for the rest of us, let's actively spend a moment of silence.